Good evening and welcome to the Community Call, our monthly youth workers conference call hosted by the General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International and sponsored by your generous giving to Sheaves for Christ and we are very grateful for your support. This is Michael Lindsay. I'm joined tonight by our Director of Promotion, Justin Rainking. He will lead the Q&A segment of our call. And if you'd like to ask a question of our special guest, please do so via Twitter using the hashtag AskGYD. Our Youth Secretary, Brother Josh Carson, is not able to join us tonight. He is preaching at the Texas District Camp Meeting, and we miss him on the call, but thankful that he is there in Texas. This is call number 11, and we are thrilled to have each of you with us, whether that is live on the call or via the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. So much valuable information has been shared in each of our previous 10 calls, and we're thankful for uh, the special guests that we have had and those who have joined us for the calls. Thank you for the work that you are doing personally to invest in this next generation of apostolic Pentecostal students so many incredible teenagers and young adults. We are seeing testimonies that are coming through social media, some of you sharing those personally with us of incredible things that God is doing in their lives. I believe that this generation is passionate for truth, for holiness, for evangelism, and it's our privilege to partner with you for the purpose of educating them, engaging them in apostolic identity and apostolic mission. Summer is here. Many of your students are probably already out of school. Others maybe have just a few days. And I, I want to encourage you to challenge them this summer. Sometimes they can kind of fall into that summer slump a little bit and disconnect from God and church and being involved in, in youth ministry. But challenge them to take advantage of the opportunity that they have during the summer season maybe a little more time than they do during the school year to be involved in the kingdom of God. It's youth camp season right now. Uh, my oldest son is at youth camp tonight with a Brian McCoy preaching Missouri youth camp, and I'm thankful that uh, my teenager has a chance to be part of a, a youth camp. I can testify the power of a single youth camp service to forever change a life. I know that because so many of those services made a difference in my life. Thank you to those who will work youth camps this summer. I'll say it on behalf of your district youth president. Thank you because we simply could not have youth camp without your help, your assistance. We are exactly 50 days away from North American Youth Congress. It's really hard to believe. We've waited for almost two years for this historic event. We are right now at about 33,000 that have registered for Youth Congress. It's just going to be an incredible, incredible three days there in Indianapolis, and we hope to see each of you there. I want us to pray as we are beginning this call and ask that God would be with us uh, throughout the next few moments that we're together. Lord, we're so grateful for your blessings to us, for the privilege that we have to serve you, serve your kingdom, to be part of youth ministry in this very exciting day. Unprecedented things are taking place, and we are grateful that you have allowed us to be part of those things to serve this generation. I pray your blessings upon every youth worker, youth pastor, youth team member that's on this call tonight and those who will listen to the podcast. Pray that you would speak to us tonight, God, that we would receive uh, to be equipped to more effectively fulfill the purpose that you have called us to. We thank you for our speaker that we have with us tonight and pray that you would speak through him. 
We give you praise for it all, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to remind you to use the hashtag AskGYD if you have any questions of our speaker. And if you'd like to just quote some of the amazing things that our speaker will say tonight, please use the hashtag GYDTCC. We are thrilled to have with us Brother L.J. Harry from Mount Vernon, Ohio. He is pastor and senior servant of the Apostolic Church there in Mount Vernon. In fact, he's been pastor for one year and two weeks. He has served in the past as a youth pastor, a music director, and very recently as Ohio District Youth President, where he served for three years until their recent district conference when he was forced into retirement. But LJ is happily married to Andrea. They have two beautiful daughters, McKenna and Rayleigh. He is a tremendous communicator, credible speaker, highly sought after conference and camp speaker. And I'm thankful to be able to call him friend and excited that he is going to be leading our jumpstart effort at Youth Congress this summer. Tonight, He's with us on the community call, and he's speaking on the topic of giving students a platform, providing them the opportunity to grow into their calling. For the LJ, welcome and thank you for joining us on the community call. Thank you, Mr. President. It is an honor to be on the call, and I want to thank you and Brother Woodward and all the powers that be for allowing me to share these 15 minutes with you all tonight. The lovely Andrea and I, we were student pastors back when student pastors were called youth pastors in the early 2000s, and whilst we were there, we devoted our fifth Sundays to youth days. I know some churches take a fifth Sunday for a picnic or maybe cancel a night service, but we devoted them to youth day where our youth would take over the morning and night services. So our students, our youth greeted, ushered, sang, led, played, preached a short sermon. They could count on four Sundays a year when they were going to be involved in service in what they would call the big church. So for each of those youth days, I created a lineup card and assigned greeters, ushers, singers, musicians, leaders, speakers. And I learned something very fast in that first year of youth ministry. I learned nobody wanted to usher. All the musicians, singers, speakers, greeters, they were all happy with their assignment. But being asked to usher was like being asked to patch up the Titanic with bubble gum. Nobody wanted to usher. But I wanted our students, especially those who had a call of God on their life, I wanted them to be involved in ministry to their peers and to their church family because I believe in each of your youth groups, and certainly there was in mine, there are middle school and high school students who have a holy calling from God on their young lives. And you may already know who they are, and you're going to find out more of them after some landmark events like Youth Camp this summer and Youth Congress, certainly, when a man of God like Brother David McGovern preaches a message from God like above all the call, and during that one single service, God will call your students in a holy moment. I prophesy that there will be a massive spike in students who feel called by God following July 28th. So when they come home and tell you they feel called by God, here are some practical steps you can give them to help develop them into their calling. First of all, ask them what they feel called to do. Unless you operate on the word of knowledge all the time, you're not going to exactly know what they feel called and what they feel God has called them to do. So ask. Certainly nothing wrong with asking. Survey them. Poll them. And when they tell you, ask them some, some more questions, some pointed questions like, do you feel God is calling you into vocational ministry? Do you want to be in ministry for a living? Do you want to make your living by being a part of the ministry? 
ask them who inspires them in their area of ministry. Perhaps they feel called by God to missions. So ask them if there are missionaries who have come through the church and who inspire them. If they feel called to music or worship arts, ask if there's somebody in the church or in the district they admire who are already ministering in that area. And as they grow into that calling, try to match them up with some of those very same people who are ahead of them in life to help them to see what ministry looks like behind the scenes, not just on the platform. Then take inventory of what they've already done. I believe God will call us into areas where we are passionate. God, I know this is a surprise to some, but God has not called me and probably will not call me to play the dulcimer for the toddler class. Because I don't have a passion to play the dulcimer, and I'm not really that great with the toddling little ones. So if your student comes and they say they feel called to missions, meaning they feel a passion for missions and they feel a call, are they already supporting a missionary? Take inventory of where their heart is concerning missions. Have they gone on AYC or do they want to go on AYC? Do their eyes light up when a missionary comes or do they roll their eyes when a missionary comes? And try to gauge based on where they've already been and what they already do about that passion. If they feel called to preach, do they bring their Bible to church? Do they respond to the pastor or do they respond to you whenever you preach? I believe whenever somebody asks me if they can know if they feel called to preach, I ask them the question, when you come to church and you hear a message, do you want to know more about that message or are you just glad you heard that message? I believe a preacher called by God is like a chef who typical restaurant goers and diners will go to a restaurant, they'll enjoy the meal, they'll pay for the meal hopefully, and they'll walk out. But a chef wants to know how much oregano went in, how, much, how long was this cooked, at what temperature was it cooked, why didn't they use this ingredient, why did they use that ingredient. A chef wants to know how it's made. I feel like if God calls a young man or a young lady to preach, then they will want to know more than just us, or feel more than that was a good message, but they'll want to know why they use that, that illustration, why this Bible story, not that Bible story. And they'll want to know how the meal is prepared, not just enjoy the meal. If they feel called to teach, whether in a youth class or a children's class, have they asked you about teaching? Have they shown you some lessons, perhaps, or messages they feel God has laid on their heart? Are they comfortable enough to speak publicly? You're going to know your students better than most will. So when God calls them, I do believe he calls you and calls your pastor to help confirm that call. During one of those fifth Sunday youth days, one of my young guys was scheduled to preach or speak a short sermon. So I did my prep work with him. I went over what he was going to say. He had notes. I'm a stickler for notes. I, I know whenever a young guy typically says, I just want to speak from my heart, it, <laughs> it may not go well. So he had notes. He knew where he was going, and he hit the pulpit running. Service was at a high note, and he said in that high-pitched freshman Bible college voice, I, I, I feel God moving here tonight. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different direction. I, I don't need my notes. My stomach turned like a propeller. It was no bueno. And as far as I know, that was his first and that was his final message. It was the Alpha and Omega of his speaking ministry because he just was not gifted by God for public speaking. He was not comfortable with that. You know your students. You know if what they feel God has called them matches how God designed them. I feel like this vetting process is valuable because it separates those who want to be in ministry from those who just want to be in the spotlight. So once you've gone through this whole vetting process, don't be disappointed if you thin out the ranks a little bit. If you push students who have not been called by God into vocational ministry, into vocational ministry, 
you're going to frustrate them and you, and you're going to frustrate them to whom they minister. So don't be afraid of the vetting process, even if it turns out the rings. So now that you've found the ones who do have a call of God on their lives, here are a few ways to help give them a platform for that calling. Give them the platform. <laughs> when we refer to a call of God, we often refer to platform-type ministry, preaching, teaching, music, worship, arts. We refer to children's ministry, youth ministry, North American missions, global missions. A lot of them are platform-type ministries out in front. And all of those are staple ministries in every local church. And all of them can be developed to help minister to the church. So talk with your pastor, your senior pastor, your lead pastor, your senior servant. Ask your pastor about setting some time and some services aside, whether in a youth room or the big house, and allow your students to minister. And I know, and he knows, and you know, they won't be as polished as the grown-ups. But what they lack in polish, they will make up for in passion. Allow them to exercise that calling in front of the church or in front of their peers. Allow them a short sermon or even a long one. Just make sure it's not too long. One of our young guys here in Mount Vernon has a call of God in his life. I really believe that. And he comes to me from time to time with a word God has spoken to him. And he preached one of those words God has spoken. He preached that to his peers a few Wednesdays ago. And my excellent student pastor, Gavin Cole, he told me his message really ministered to our students. So I've asked him to preach that self-same message to our church family in July. Because I want our church to be able to hear what God has laid on his heart. If you've got a student feeling a call of God into missions, especially if it's a specific country or a continent, then give them time to give a missions report about what God is doing in that country or on that continent. Perhaps they feel God has called them to musical worship arts then allow them to play or allow them to lead a service. And if you knew me, you would know how much this pains me to say this. It, it hurts worse than a root canal. But if they feel called by God in worship arts, then allow them to buy a few dowel rods and act out a song if they feel like that will glorify God. Oh, okay. Now, if they feel called by God into children's ministry or youth ministry, then allow them to teach a Sunday school class or at least help out in a Sunday school class from time to time. Or encourage them to mentor a child or a younger student. When you give them a platform to exercise their calling, that may call for giving them the platform from time to time. Just make sure they're in the prayer room before they step on the platform because they need to have something from God if they're going to deliver something for God. Next, train them. I know many of you are vocational, bivocational youth workers and student pastors, and I, I tip my hat to you, and I'm very proud of you for taking so much time you have to give it, of course, to the kingdom and then also to taking care of your family. I know training takes time, but it's worth it. I started a Wednesday night group for student leadership training when I was in Florida, and we had a pretty big crowd to start, but it thinned out after a while when they learned that this was like a course, and, and I was okay with that. I wanted the students who were in leadership training. I wanted those there who really felt a call into leadership. And during that course I covered time management, organization skills, mentoring younger teens, how to be more of a people person, public speaking, conflict resolution, how to start and oversee a ministry, those kind of areas to teach them about leadership and about ministry. Because I wanted them to see some of the behind the scenes of ministry, especially on a local level. I wanted them to know we don't just show up on a Sunday and hope for the best. I wanted them to see the entire team, the, the team prays and practices and prepares and studies and prays some more and then they bring all of that prayer and practice and preparation and study 
into the sanctuary and that is what enables them to minister not just the fact that they have charisma or gifts and I wanted them to know if they want to be in ministry then they need to be praying and practicing and preparing and studying now so they'll have something to give God's people whenever God calls them to give something to his people next encourage them when students come to me and they feel a call of God in their lives usually they come to me pretty misty-eyed and they come to me with a, a quivering voice because they feel that holy call of God in their life. I want to know how devoted are they to that call. So that's part of the reason for the vetting process. God called me on a Wednesday night in 1995 at Ohio Senior High Camp. Pastor Ken Gurley was preaching the dream peddler and during his message I buried my face on the carpet and I called out to God about my future and he called out to me about giving my future wholly to him. And I never told my pastor I felt called of God. I just figured he'd pick that up automatically. He and God are tight like that. But I did tell him I wanted to go to Bible college. And so he talked to me about Bible colleges. and I applied. I was accepted at Gateway College in St. Louis. But I still had no real nod from my pastor. I kept Bible quizzing. I kept playing trumpet at church. But I didn't have an invite to preach in the big church. And the next summer, 1997, or rather, I'm sorry, forgive me. It was 96 when Brother Gurley preached. The next summer, 1997, is when I went to him and I told him, that I felt a call of God in my life. This was in June, and I was scheduled to leave for Gateway in August. And that's when he invited me to preach once a month for the last three months before college, June, July, and August. I believe he wanted me to come to him rather than him come to me and say, I see a call of God. I think he wanted to hear from me that I was called by God, so he wasn't pushing me into something that I was still unsure about. And some of those first times in the pulpit, I still have one of the tapes, and yes, it was a tape, so it was <laughs> right after the pterodactyls died off. But I, it was one of those first times in the pulpit. Some people believe God hung up the phone before I ever answered the call. But I did see his name on caller ID, so I know he called me. But my pastor wanted to wait for me, to hear from me, that I felt the call, so he didn't push me in a call that never came. But when I did tell him, he worked with me. He let me shadow him for a day. This would be a great practice. If you have a young man, young lady, of course, if it's a young lady and you're a young man, you need to have somebody else with you. But if you have somebody with you who is called by God to let them shadow you for a day, and let them see some of the behind-the-scenes part of ministry. And I want to tell you this. I know Bible college is not for everybody. But when your students come to you and they've got a broken heart and they're teary-eyed because of the brokenness of their world and they're willing to give God their future by faith without regard for being independently wealthy or famous or popular, encourage them to follow God with their whole heart. I know there's a push right now for students to be financially secure and there's a push for them to go to college or university and earn a marketable accredited degree and then if there's time go to Bible college for training and I understand and I agree especially as a pastor and now as a parent we need to make sure our students are provided for but I also know we're racing the rapture and I believe God is good enough and great enough to provide for young people who give him their whole future in faith he did that for me I know he'll do that for them you've got young men and women in your youth group right now they still love peanut butter and jelly and laugh at knock-knock jokes but they have a call of God on their life. If they tell you they feel God is calling them to Bible college, please encourage them. Don't tell them they could make better money with a better degree. They know that. But they will not get better training for ministry to make a better difference in the world with that better degree. If they don't feel called to go to Bible college, that's okay. Just make sure when they grow through ministry and they grow into hyphen and young adulthood, make sure they're still involved in ministry whithersoever they go. Check on them from time to time. Make sure they're not just barely making it themselves, but they are making a difference, and they're living their lives to help other people make it.
whether they're called to Bible college or they're not, it doesn't matter. That call of God will tug on their heart, and it will even break it from time to time, but that's okay. Because some of the best people God ever used in the Bible were people with a broken heart to heal a broken world. So when students come to you and say, Pastor, youth pastor, sister, youth pastor, I feel a call of God in my life. Those are some of the practical steps you can take to help to know that call is genuine and real and some steps you can help to develop them into that calling. I appreciate so much you allowing me to be a part of this call, and I believe I'm going to turn it back over to you in the studio, Justin. Thank you so much, Brother LJ. Wonderful, incredible, very practical tips uh, for helping to give students a platform in ministry and dealing with their calling. I'd like to go through uh, and, and ask a few questions from the things that you, you talked about. Um, some great steps there of you know, asking them what they think about with a message. But when, when you gave uh, these students the opportunity to give a message, what kind of, what kind of um, after the message uh, discussion would you have with those young men and young ladies? Um, a, a helpful critique to them. Could you kind of walk us through maybe a process to where maybe they know that's coming so it's not awkward? Um, so just some things where you could help them through that. Absolutely. Sadly, when I say, back when I was a youth pastor, I tried, I tried a little bit too hard to be a friend as opposed to a, a shepherd in their young years. So I didn't want to hurt their feeling or their ego. Now I'm a little bit more, I understand sometimes being a friend is being a little critical when it comes to a helpful criticism. But now what I do is a student shares a message. Afterwards, I'll sit down with them and talk with them and ask them, how do you think it went? What do you think went right? What do you think you could have done better? And then I'll share some things that they, if they tap the pulpit all the time out of a nervous twitch or maybe they say amen too many times, I'll just point out a few things that you could communicate better and people would receive you better if you didn't have these particular hitches. So I will ahead of time let them know, and, and I mean it sincerely, if they're a young man or a young lady, they have to have notes. I don't care if they can quote war and peace from memory. They have to have notes. So when they get nervous, and they will, they have something to look at and fall back on, especially if they lose their place. So I do afterwards, how did it go? How do you think it went? What do you think you could do better? What do you think went right? And I try to praise them for getting up there, but then also give them some critique about whether it's content or delivery or both, how I feel like it could go better for them the, the next time. Yes, sir. Absolutely. In, in talking about notes, did you ever, um, did any of them ever ask you, you know, how do you style your notes? How do you prepare an outline? Did you ever have any helpful hints in that direction as far as, you know, the public speaking, uh, preaching ministry, part of, part of being called? Could you share yes. maybe some helpful hints that maybe you, you gave out at that time? Absolutely. I'm, I am a, I'm a manuscript guy. I know not all are, not all need to be, but the way God designed me, I'm a manuscript guy. I'm very careful with words and sentences. I want them to sound right. I want them to be as colorful and memorable as they can be. So I do that. I hardly ever, I actually, honestly, I've never used an outline. It's always been word for word. But with them, I encourage them to the very least have an outline. And if they ask me how I style things, typically I do it the way I learn at Gateway is the way I still practice it today. It's called hook, book, look, took. Hook is the introduction. Book is the Bible passage. Look is application. And took is the call to action. So I, I style pretty much every message according to that fashion. 
and I encourage them to do the same. They need to have something interesting at the very beginning to catch attention. And then, of course, they need to have solid Bible, Bible foundation. They need to have application, practical application. How does this apply to my life? And then what do I do from tonight on? So I do encourage them to follow that. And I also encourage them, especially with their young, to stay with one Bible story. I've heard a message where I counted 14 different Bible stories in one message. And people who are both brand new and young in, in Christ, they have no idea if Noah is the one who brought the Ten Commandments over or if Sennacherib is the one who was on the Mount of Transfiguration because they heard so many stories in one message. So I tell them, keep it simple. Stay within one story. If for no other reason, it's job security. you got to have something next to, to preach next week, but primarily for the simplicity. So everybody knows this is what we talked about, and they have a very simple, pointed message to leave with. Yes, sir. So very quickly, note that the hook, book, Look, and then what was the last one? Can you re recap that? That was some great stuff there. Oh, yes, sir. Hook, book, look, took. Took is the call to action, the sure. practical. What do I do at the altar? What do I pray at the altar? How do I change this in my life, or how do I use this to change my life? That the what we would call call to action. Yes, sir. That's a, that's a great template for beginning guys to use when they feel like they have 100 things to say. And to exactly. refine it down, that's that's a great that's great. What do you what do you, what would you say to a young person that feels maybe a little bit frustrated that they aren't being used enough, um, in in the scheduled services or or whatnot? Did you ever encounter that? What kind of helpful hints would you give there? Yes, I got a, an interesting story. I got a young man who I'd asked him to preach about something, and I gave him Isaiah 61. It was a structured service. We had a theme and everything, and I gave him that. He ended up going on his own. And throughout the course of the thing, he insulted our pastor for not having a great enough vision. His pastor said, let's baptize 50. And he jumped up on the platform in the baptistry ledge. And he said, 50, pastor? Really, 50? What about 100? What about 200? Let's go chart a church of 1,000. I was like, all right, yeah, there you go. So I definitely, if somebody is frustrated because of something like that, I'll let them know you've got to take some time to build some trust back up because you I trusted you with a pulpit, and you abuse that trust. But if it's just simply a scheduling issue, and I know right now we have a major issue in our movement with our services. We don't have quite as many with churches who rent and things like that. They don't have a Sunday night. So they just have Sunday morning. The pastor, of course, doesn't want to relinquish that, and I understand that. So I encourage them, and if you want an opportunity, where well, we've got six nursing homes right now crying out for help. They want somebody to come and minister there. There's an apartment complex that has a community room that kids would come and listen if you want to go there. So I encourage them in non-conventional ways. And then if they're willing to do that, once again, that lets me know they want to minister. They don't just want spotlight. And if they're willing to do that, then I'm happy to give them the pulpit from time to time because I see they have a heart for people, not just a heart for the platform. So I encourage them. Yes, sir. Teaching Bible studies, getting involved in nursing home, P7, areas like that where I can see they really do want to make a difference. Absolutely. I like I like how you said that, that if they're just wanting to the stage and just wanting to be involved, they're only going to want certain certain tasks and certain uh, venues. But if they're willing to minister, they'll find where people are that are hurting or that need exactly. that needs uh, ministry minister to. And there's a, there's a vast majority. Those are some great tips. Brother LJ, thank you so much. 
uh, for your time. I'm going to turn this back over to our good youth president, Brother Inzi, and Thank he'll complete you. this call. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ranking, Brother Harry. Incredible information tonight. Powerful, practical, something that our youth workers can take and apply very easily and yet powerfully. So thank you, Brother Harry, so much for joining us tonight. I do want to mention a couple of things before we wrap up this call. Uh, this is your, your last month that you'll have the opportunity to register for Youth Congress online. So if you have been one of those who has been holding out to register for Youth Congress, now is the time to do that. Uh, there are some hotel rooms that have opened up um, within 20, 25 miles or so of the stadium uh, as we've had some cancellations over the last few months. And so there are some hotel rooms available and you can register online through Wednesday, June the 28th, uh, midnight that Wednesday. Right now there are level 300 badges that are available for $30 per badge. Those same badges become $60 per badge on site. So I want to make sure that you're aware of that. We will also have a one-day Friday-only pass that will be available on-site for purchase. It will not be available online for purchase, but after the Thursday night service, you can purchase that one-day Friday-only badge for $30. But as you can see, it would make sense to go ahead and purchase the full event badge right now for the same price as that Friday-only badge. Our next community call will take place on Tuesday, July the 11th. Note that's the second Tuesday of July because of the holiday being on the 4th. So Tuesday, July 11th, we'll be joined by Brother Dorian Norton from the New York Metro District. He is our youth secretary there. He is also the director of the youth ministries for Building the Bridge, which is our urban evangelism ministry. And that is the topic, the subject that he'll be talking about on July 11th. We hope that you're able to join us for that call. Why don't we pray as we conclude tonight. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness and your mercy toward us, for your blessings, your favor, the time that we have had to spend together on this call tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the information we have received. Help us to be able to digest it and to be able to apply it in our youth ministries. I pray that you would go with each of our youth workers, God, tomorrow, whether it's on a secular job or a college campus or working in a local church setting. We pray your blessings upon them, those who will have youth services tomorrow night. We pray that your anointing, your power would be present and evident and the lives would be changed in those local youth ministry services. We thank you for it all. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the community call. You have been listening to the community call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great night.